Hello, and welcome back to Learn It From a Layman. I'm Carl Christensen, joined again by Cameron and Matt. And Tim, I can't be bothered with your nonsense cocks. We planned this before the podcast. Right, that's we, never, we, we never plan this. Um, okay, so today's uh, subject will be attention. So the basics of attention, what attention means, how to increase atten attention, um, all the psychological parts of paying attention. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna dig in right uh, right away here. Uh, now, I guess actually I should start with this. So if you've come to this podcast trying to figure out like how to increase attention span or if that's possible. I guess I need to get this out of the way quickly because the reality is that podcast listening statistics mirror what a lot of uh, online media statistics show that people don't uh, pay attention for all that long. So uh, turns out you need so to stick around. So if you tune out of this podcast, you're a hypocrite. <laughs> you need to stick around till the at least middle, if not end, to figure out what the steps are to increase uh, productivity and attention span. Uh, or so. just listen to our ADHD podcast. <laughs> it's a good one. It's related, but uh, this this should be good. All right. So attention, as defined by our old trusty Wikipedia, is the behavioral and cognitive process of selectively concentrating on a discrete aspect of information, whether considered subjective or objective, while ignoring other perceivable information. Uh, so in the layman's terms, I guess you say it's literally what you generally mean when you say pay attention. Uh, means don't uh, have your thoughts elsewhere, don't have your senses focused elsewhere, um, apply your cognitive processes to uh, the, the task at hand. William James, who apparently was a, psycho, a psychologist in the er, uh, late 19th century, wrote that attention is the taking uh, is the taking possession by the mind in clear and vivid form of one out of what seem several simultaneously possible objects or trains of thought. Vocalization, concentration of consciousness are of its of its essence. So once again, the idea just that we are um, capable of taking the sensory information that we're given and doing something specific task based with it. And that's kind of the idea of paying attention to something. Um, so I already mentioned podcast listening statistics kind of show that. So you clicked on this podcast with the idea of a particular outcome or uh, something that you're trying to uh, learn or achieve or maybe background noise. Uh, but uh, the average podcast listen is somewhere between four and eight minutes. Um, so you can tell that that's kind of representative of the idea that our attention span is limited. Um, our, our ability to control our minds in the way that we can apply it to a particular task uh, comes up against um, temporal constraints. And so uh, once again, I think a lot of people out there in, in the world are familiar with this idea that like as uh, the internet and, and social media has developed uh, over the last decades or dec decade or decades, um, you've got video length getting shorter and shorter, right? That uh, we obviously still have feature length movies, but 
uh, you know, used to be a TV episode was pretty standard, but now, you know, people like to get on YouTube and watch something for four or five minutes. And sometimes that's even too long. Now we need a TikTok, which is over in like, you know, what is it, 10 seconds or whatever. Um, and so that's representative of, uh, well, it's representative of, uh, attention span, um, constraints, but we'll talk a little bit more here in a few minutes about, um, some conflicting information, uh, that the, uh, Scientists have done uh, studies that have conflicting information on whether or not our attention span as a as humans has actually decreased or not. Um, well, and is it bad one way or another, or is this just an adaptation? Right, and that's that's the question, and and that's I guess uh, spoiler uh, for our, one of our topics here later is that it, it's not entirely clear. There are statistics that we'll talk about kind of on both sides of that. Um, but let's do a couple, a couple other kind of background, um, definition of, of what we mean when we talk about attention, because I think it is important that we, uh, define this closely because kind of your colloquial idea of, uh, attention might not, it, the, the more that we can, to find these things with terms, the better we can understand um, you know, what what we're talking about and how to improve attention span, or whether that that is even something that that makes sense. So, um, in the the research, the psych uh, psychology research that I was looking into, there's they define two different types of uh, attention orienting. Orienting is the, that the task, the the cognitive task of of using your senses in a particular way. There's overt orienting. It says the act of selectively attending to an item or location over others by moving the eyes to point in that direction. Random question. What is the currency that we use to pay for attention or pay to attention? Oh, right. Like how do we measure it? That's a good question. And I Because you just... say pay attention because that means you, you know, it's a transaction, right? <laughs> No, uh, but if whether or not there is one of the questions, one of the last questions I, I asked was whether or not the, uh, the idea that can you actually increase attention? Is it is it just an on or off button? Um, so we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, but overt orienting I, is generally what we what we mean when someone says when Tim tells his students pay attention. He means look at me, you know direct your ears this way uh, these things are overt meaning like you do it uh in a way that can be you're pointing your your senses in that direction uh, as opposed to covert orienting is the act of mentally shifting one's focus without moving one's eyes and so that's the idea that okay i'm listening to me you're listening to me right now right uh, or maybe you're not right maybe i've i'm background noise and so if i suddenly grab your attention by saying something silly uh or something relevant or something loud uh all of a sudden you're covertly changing your attention you've been listening to me this whole time but all of a sudden i've grabbed your uh your mental process and it's now paying attention to what i'm saying so um so those are two different ways of orienting your um your attention now, in a relatively related uh, definition, uh, but but different process, there's the, uh, what psychologists call exogenous versus endogenous um, orienting. 
So exogenous is the idea that uh, something grabbed your attention, something external to you, right? Something outside of your your process, your mental process is the thing that all of a sudden took, it's a reflex, an automatic. So if I'm driving along and someone and some some child runs out into the street, I they've got my attention, right? Boom. Um, and uh, you know anything sudden, anything loud, something like that will all of a sudden grab our attention. Uh, endogenous meaning something internally. Uh, I have decided that you know something goal oriented, something task oriented is all of a sudden taken. I, I've taken my sensory information and I've now decided to direct it in one particular way. Um, so those are related to overt versus covert orienting, but um, uh, slightly different ways of understanding the way that uh, the attention gets directed by our cognitive process. Uh, questions? Matt? So is it really just eyes that distinguish between overt and covert? I don't think so. I, like I said, the example of like if, if Tim shouted something right now, um, then the uh, it, 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 you know, your auditory attention would be all of a sudden uh, shifted. And, and well, that, so the idea of overt and covert, the definitions I read did specifically mention eyes. But the idea that um, you can you can listen to something in the background and then you can tune into it uh, seems like that that different that difference as well. So I don't that's, know. Uh, sure. There's a high correlation uh, a high correlation between the, what you are tuned into with your attention and where your eyes are, but they're not the same. It's just that the eyes are usually you know are most active. Um, uh, source of, of sensory input and so the eyes usually i mean that's with my students in my classroom i'll always uh, tell them i'll wait until everyone's eyes are on me because i know that if, if their eyes are somewhere else then likely their attention is somewhere else even though it doesn't technically have to be so you know right and yeah so i i think matt that's uh a psychologist could come, come, some doctorate in psychology could probably come on, come on here and, and tell me or tell us exactly what that uh, you know if, if that's the case. If it, uh, but in what I read, it mentioned eyes specifically, but I, I'd imagine that that it could mean just senses, the the, the active shifting your your senses. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Um, so a couple, so there are different types of attention as defined by psychology. Um, so I'm going to give you the definition of these uh, various types. So there's six types of attention. There's arousal, which means refers to our act, activation level and level of alertness. Um, so that's whether or not you're tired, feeling energetic, that type of thing. So that's your arousal level, whether or not um, that's that type of attention. There's focused attention, which refers to our ability to focus attention on a particular stimulus. Sustained attention, the ability to attend to a stimulus or activity for over a long period of time. Selective attention, the ability to attend to a specific stimulus or activity in the presence of other distracting stimuli. Alternating attention, the ability to change focused attention between two or more stimuli and divided attention, uh, attention, the ability to attend to different stimuli or attention at the same time. So we'll, we'll revisit some of these a little bit. Uh, some of the other questions we are going to discuss here in the podcast kind of uh, go uh, on the topics of these various 
definitions of the different types of attention as defined in, in, by psychology. Um, so let's let's move to the question of what's actually happening in your brain when you're having when you go from just you know, passively listening to a podcast versus actively listening or you know staring blankly into the distance versus actually focusing on what's in front of you. Um, so there's a, a bunch of neuroimaging that's been done over the last 70 years. Um, and and as technology obviously has improved, they've been able to understand more and more about uh, what's happening in your mind with with particular uh, neurons and and particular areas of your brain when you see, when you're paying attention to a, a visual stimulus or an auditory stimulus. And essentially, it comes down to this: as a growing body of uh, neuroimaging research has identified a frontal parietal attention network, which appears to be responsible for control of attention. So there's a network of neurons in your brain which are in charge of what you're paying attention to. Um, and so, you know, there is, you know, there are scientific ways to be able to essentially tell whether or not you are actively attending to any a particular stimulus. Um, let's talk a little bit about, so there's, there are these big headlines, I guess, uh, what was it now, five or six years ago about a goldfish attention span versus a human attention span and goldfish get this really bad rap. Um, of having a really bad attention span, bad memory. Um, I guess the layman generally talks about it as, as memory instead of attention span. But in this case, you know, the, the psychology research and, and this got crossed over into the mainstream media uh, talked about how goldfish attention spans actually exceeded uh, the attention span of a human. And how that had been a change from even 15 years earlier. So they did some research in 2015 uh, that demonstrated, and we'll talk about, I'll talk through about how they demonstrated, um, but demonstrated that the human's attention span was somewhere between eight and nine seconds, and that a goldfish's uh, attention span was, uh, I believe, 12 seconds. Um, they and by much. <laughs> Yeah, we're getting there. We're coming at you, goldfish. It turns out we're going the wrong way. The the research also said that oh that this uh, you know that it, we had um, that we had lost a percentage of our uh, 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 the, the study group had lost some of their attention span over the course of 15 years, um, something like 20 25 percent. If I can look up these numbers exactly. Oh yeah, here it is. Uh, According to a study done in the early 2000s, the average attention span of humans decreased from 12 seconds to eight seconds. Uh, and so uh, thus we are now, uh, oh, sorry, the, the goldfish have nine second attention spans. So I got some of those numbers confused. Uh, goldfish have nine second attention spans. We now have eight second attention spans, we being humanity, at least allegedly. And uh, whereas we used to have 12 second att attention spans. Um, yeah, well, uh, well does, it, is, does it tell you what a dog's attention span is out of curiosity? <laughs> well, so, the, so some of the issues con concerning this is, yeah, how do you actually measure an animal's attention span and what does that even mean? Um, and the idea that humans can only pay attention to something for eight seconds seems belied by reality. Like let's 
in reality, if you're listening to me still now, and some of you still are, uh, you've now been listening well over eight seconds. Um, and so what does that even mean? Eight second attention span. So that's when you got, um, uh, let me see if I can find the, the, of what exactly it, it, they measured. Uh, it, it, first of all, these are Canadians. So, I mean, is enough said? Um, I thought you really wanted that uh, that Yukon <laughs> audience here. All right. Well, they're not listening anyway. So, um, but yeah, they they were me- measuring uh, some Canadians, and and they were measuring Canadians uh, like website views or something like that. It was. Um, not exactly your uh, the way that most psychologists would measure attention span. And um, additionally, the, the way that you measure a goldfish attention span is, is under, you know, some debate. <laughs> if they're if the goldfish is paying attention to you, how do you know that? Are they staring at you? Um, and does that mean they're paying attention? <laughs> so. Uh, the idea that, that this study had had actually identified the fact that human had lost an attention the attention span, um, and now we are outranked by goldfish, um, is a bit probably fallacious. Uh, it's not the case that our attention spans are only eight seconds. Uh, most psychology research that I was able to find said that. Um, uh, so as, as we know, generally younger children do have a shorter attention span and it increases throughout your teenage years until you're an adult. So they, some kind of general guideline for idea, uh, for, for attention spans for different age ranges is two year olds have a four to six minute attention span, three year olds, six to eight minutes for, uh, and then all the way up until you're about, they say some somewhere after 16, 17 years old, your attention span kind of mirrors that of, of an average adult and that's somewhere between half an hour to 50 minutes um that said so i found those ranges in a couple different places but i also found studies and psychologists that said look the the reality is the maximum attention span for adults is 20 minutes so all that is to say it's unclear exactly in the research and and the 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 uh articles that I read, whether or not we're even measuring the same thing. Um, uh, does attention span mean the ability to focus solely on one task? Does it mean the ability to focus on that task while other stimuli are around you? Does it mean your desire to focus on that one's um, task? Anyway, there, there's a whole variety of ways to interpret this. So. Uh, the idea that a particular attention span can be identified for all of humans and that it's uh, less than that of a, a goldfish, um, I, re- I refuse to believe it, with the exception of Tim. For me, yeah, yeah that's right. Sorry, I, I was just going to ask what we're talking about because about eight seconds in, I uh, – <laughs> anyways. Yeah. For, for me, the, the interesting thing in this uh, article is not – necessarily the comparison to the goldfish i think you pointed out that there's a lot of question marks i think the interesting thing is that if if this you know study was well done the uh, the and under the same conditions over time the the decrease and what that means um i i'm not 
I don't know. Maybe we're going to talk about this later. I'm, I'm not as like amped up about how how terrible the world is now that people aren't paying attention as much. I, I think there are problems, but I think a lot of it is context based and um, situational. You know, people have poor attention spans until they need to have good attention spans and then they, you know, they do what's needed. But um, it is still frustrating right. sometimes as a, as a teacher. <laughs> yeah, it is the case so, that I mean, society. Okay, yeah, go ahead, Cameron. I was going to say, could, could this be like, I mean, obviously people are listening to the podcast right now. They have been for the last, whatever, 20 minutes, 10 minutes. But is it like when we're paying attention, is it, okay, I'm focused, 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 stray thought that resets then my attention span, right. whatever and that is? Right, exactly. And that's the question, right? Is that what we're measuring here? Um, because generally that's not the case, right? Like in, if we're saying that according to most psycho, uh, psychologists, our attention span is, you know, tw somewhere between 20 minutes and half an hour for an adult. I, I don't know how you even measure whether or not I had a stray thought in the middle of a 20 minute or 30 minute lecture. Like even your best neuroimaging uh, equipment out there isn't going to be able to tell that for a split second, I thought, what's for lunch? Uh, so, you know, that's, uh, there are tasks, obviously. You push a that, button, you raise your right. hand. I don't right. know. There are, there are tasks, and I, I guess I shouldn't uh, underestimate the ability of psychology to uh, get these things, uh, you know, pretty well uh, nailed down. But um, the, the general understanding and, and the desire, I think, of the layman to know what attention means and how to increase your, your attention span probably doesn't go to the level of, like, yeah, did I have a straight thought? It's more like, how do I stay focused and on task uh, over the course of some time, uh, you know, when there are potential things that could otherwise en engage my attention, not not like, oh, can I literally by, you know, uh, do this single task without doing anything else for 20 minutes? So, okay. Um, but as Tim touched on, so, so a screen's and, and the way that we interact with media and people and uh, our culture-based to some degree. And there were some studies that showed that like different cultures really do have a big impact on what uh, the degree to which people can pay attention. The, the way people multitask is, is very cultural. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about multitasking here in a second. And so if that's your question as to, oh, can I, can I multitask? Is that something that, that I'm is that a good choice or how is that working how is that affecting me well that's something we're going to talk about in here in a second but um uh, screens and and culture so as as screens have become ubiquitous with phones and tablets and all the other ways that we interact with uh digital media um the obviously what we what we've talked about already with youtube and TikTok and and the idea that the media is is becoming shorter and more I would say more focused, but I don't know if that's the right word. It's it's becoming succinct, a, tw a, a tweet as opposed to a, an essay, right? Um, it does change the way that we kind of interact with each other and we interact with um, society. But the idea that, that it's biological uh, versus cultural based, that doesn't seem to be uh, backed up by a lot of research, uh, at least not yet. So... Um, I was going to, we, I do have some statistics. Question, to it. Go ahead. 
Uh, I was going to ask, what do you mean by biological versus cultural based? Like, because it, like, when, we, when we dig into psychology, you know, there is biology there. If, uh, absolutely. if my, my mental habits have, you know, wired the neurons in my brain in such a way that it is more difficult for me to, you know, to pay attention to say a sustained conversation on physics or civics or, or whatever, you know, then, then there's a biological underpinning to why I can't pay attention as well. Right. That is, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, what I mean, I, I when I say biology, it's that it, it's not the case that, that our species has evolved away from attention spans. Um, we can certainly wire our brains in particular ways that it does make it more difficult to focus and to pay attention for a particular time amount of time. So that is true. That biology, um, that biological underpinning, uh, that that uh, understanding of how our minds are, are wired. I mean, we've talked about that in the podcast uh, in past episodes. But the idea that we can't rewire it and that we come pre-wired in order to fail as far as attention span, I don't think that uh, has been shown. Um, it's just cultural as far as the way that we get wired is the way that society wires us, if that makes sense, as opposed to a biological predisposition to not be able to focus. Now, that might that, be ADHD. That, that yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let me talk a few statistics, though, uh, which says we are easily distracted. It says an office worker on average will check their email inbox 30 times every hour. Uh, that's a lot. The average user picks up their phone more than 1,500 times a week, taking on average up to three hours and 16 minutes a day. Uh, average web page users will read at most 28% of the words during an average visit. Um, and the average page visit for a website is 20, uh, 10 to 20 seconds. So we can't, uh, the, the way that we interact with our digital media and therefore, the, and then because that's so big ubiquitous now, it's becoming, I'm sure it's crossing over into the classroom. Like Tim has to deal with it. Um, it's certainly crossing over into where parents have to deal with it is that, uh, we expect things to be consumable in a very small amount of time. Well, and then that eventually translates, like Tim said, into some biological wiring in our brain. That's like, okay, well, if it's not inside this time amount of time, I'm going to struggle with it. Um, so, uh, and that is, like I said, we're going to talk here at the end about ways that you can improve that. But uh, it is the case that that is the way that society kind of interacts right now with uh, information outside of you. So as you take this sensory information in, you expect uh, in, in today's culture, at least American culture, and I think a, a large degree across the world, uh, to be able to interact with it very quickly. And you want um, quick stimulus from lots of different locations. Um, Tim, have you seen that in school? You've been teaching now for what, 100 years? <laughs> it feels like that, especially on the last day of the week. But um... Yes. Uh, I, I mean, and I'm going to adopt for a second a slightly contrarian view um, because, <clears throat> I don't know, I get a lot of, um, in my professional community, that, that moaning about how bad things are compared to how they used to be. And I feel like sometimes we, we get a little out of hand with it. Um, I think we need to be uh, frank, but I think we need to also recognize that at every um, 
juncture in our history where new technology has been introduced, especially information and intellectually oriented technology, it's caused shifts in how society functions. And that you know goes all the way back to the introduction of writing, uh, the introduction of of uh, movable type and print. Um, you know these these things drastically altered how information was passed, um, changed memory, and and anyone old enough to remember the time before cell phones has lived this in person. You know I used to have you know uh, lots of phone numbers memorized. Because you just need to call people wherever you went. You call your best friend, you call your parents, call your grandparents. Um, Now I have, I think, my phone number and my wife's phone number memorized, and that's it. Um, You know, technology is altered. And, you know, some could look at that and say, you know, what what a terrible world now. People are totally dependent on their phones and whatnot. But I I think just like how – so anyways, they – My point is that society didn't fall apart when printing changed how information was passed. And I don't think society is going to fall apart with, um, you know, screens and how they're affecting information absorption and technology. But so so I guess I'm I'm just prefacing this by saying I'm an optimist. I don't think the world is falling apart, but I do think we are having some real problems um, and I, I'm going to point out three and then we'll probably, I'm sure we'll touch on some of them later. But I, I think the problem isn't that our attention spans are shorter. Um, I think the problem is what happens because of our shortened attention spans. And one is is in learning where we have people who are less prepared to um, enrich themselves and to move towards uh, goals because they um and I see this with students where they just don't have good study skills and um, and uh, independent study skills. So they're just going to be less equipped to um, to move into the future. And um, again, I'm not as as doom and gloom as some people, because I think what usually happens with a lot of these kids is they they um, graduate high school. They find that they don't have the skill sets they need. They have to adapt. It's a bumpy road for a year or two, and then they they figure things out and they go into the the workforce and they're fine. So I'm, you know, it's not a good thing, but I, you know, I think we need to uh, pause and and take a deep breath sometimes as a society. That said, with my own daughters, I'm a total Nazi about these things because I want them to have the best experience, and so I am hyper attentive to their attention around screens and stuff. And every time they get on the screen, I have kind of an internal clock that just ticks. And before I'm going to yank it away and and give them the boot and tell them to do something else. Um, Okay. So that's a minor, well, it's not minor. It's a major problem, but I think compared to the next one, it's relatively minor. And and the next problem is I think the effect that um, attention has on our psyches. And this is where uh, we see problems in schools and it, it is really getting, I think, pretty dire. Um, the The problem is not that kids have shorter attention spans. It's that because their attention spans are being gobbled up by um, lifeless screens, the quality of their interactions with people around them is diminished. Um, so just um, <clears throat> on a overall basis the teenagers of this year 
have weaker friend networks, weaker family networks, weaker mentor networks um, than they did, say, 20 years ago or 40 years ago. And we we are seeing as a society an upswing in um, mood disorders, you know, depression, anxiety, and um, eating disorders and other things that um, I think, and, and it's been noted, there's a lot of stuff out there written about it, that has, has really ramped up um, in tandem with the increase in, in uh, technology, the introduction of smartphones and so forth. So I don't think that the poor attention spans that people have nowadays and kids have nowadays is itself um, the worst thing in the world, but the results of it, I think, um, are are a big flashing red alarm. Um, with teachers, we have um, suicide prevention training every year um, because you know we we are seeing problems and and we're trying to activate and respond, but it's just an uphill battle because um, all of these headwinds and and what has our kids' attention is at the heart of it. So anyway, sorry, that was rambling. Um, questions or comments or directions you want to take with that? Well, I was going to read some of the comments that I, I got from. So there's a Dr. Uh, Briggs. She's a, a, a psychology lecturer at Open University. And she's talking about the idea that attention spans are getting shorter. And she said that's plain wrong. Uh, she said simply because I don't think that that's something that psychologists or people interested in attention would try and measure and quantify in that particular way. And she's talking in specific about the this idea that goldfish have longer attention spans than humans. Um, she says uh, she studies attention in drivers and witnesses to crime and says the idea of an average attention span is pretty meaningless. It's very much task dependent. How much attention we apply to a task will vary depending on what the task demand is. So, Makes sense. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I, there's lots of different ways that we could uh, take this, but um, I was going to move on to one other topic here. Uh, Matt or Cameron, any other input on what Tim said? Um, no. I was going to summarize kind of what you just said with the lady, like about like the drive. Like if you think you're normal, your average drive to work or whatever you do, there's parts where you just don't pay a lot of attention because maybe the traffic's a lot less, whatever, you know, your, your traffic part patterns. If it's their usual standard, you don't pay as much attention versus if you're in heavy traffic or if there's like, you know, inclement weather, your attention definitely increases to what's going on. Right. And we're actually going to talk a little bit more about the driving situation here in a second. But yeah. Okay. So I guess a lot of people come, I said, and when I was started thinking about doing this as the podcast, I was thinking you know, a lot of people are just interested in being able to focus for longer or either for school or for work or what affects attention and what what's a good idea and not a good idea as far as being able to train yourself to pay attention or, or multitask. So let's talk about increasing attention span. Um, one thing that I think a lot of people go to right away is um, either medication or some type of drug. Um, because we've already done a podcast on ADHD, attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Um, 
And so if you want more information about that, go listen to that podcast. But there are medications that help with that, right? Um, right, Cameron? Cameron, stop paying attention. Um, yes, yes. No. I, okay. Took me a second to turn up. You're good. <laughs> what I want is the limitless pill. That's what I want. Oh, yes. Uh, I was just thinking about that movie. Yeah, that documentary about Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> And you can absorb that through blood. Uh, like if you, okay, let's not get too graphic, I guess. There are por- portions <laughs> of graphic uh, violence in that movie. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, okay. So, but so other than Ritalin, Adderall, those types of things, which you might think of right away, uh, the, the more layman way to, uh, I guess, increase attention and in particular where we talked earlier about uh, arousal attention uh, one of the ways is is your energy level is within with caffeine right so the question is does caffeine effectively increase your attention as the layman would measure it uh, or does it decrease it so let's uh, let's talk some of the data here it says uh, it's been evaluated by a scientific organization in a significant number of studies and included and concluded that caffeine increases both selective attention and sustained attention. So it is the case that caffeine can be effective in uh, increasing particular parts of attention. Um, and so that way, you might succeed so that once again selective attention is focusing on particular stimulus and sustained attention is maintaining focused attention over an extended period of time um here's where you got to watch out for it right well i just wanted to pause and say that uh this podcast is brought to you by pepsi and coke products as well as folgers (laughs) all all of the above yes uh and red bull and red yeah red bull gives you (laughs) an attention (laughs) <laughs> um, right, the thing to watch out for for caffeine is as uh, caffeine triggers the release of adrenaline, and adrenaline is the source of the fight or flight response, a survival mechanism that forces you to stand up and fight or run the hills when you're fe- faced with a threat. So that mechanism uh, sidesteps rational thinking in favor of a faster response. Um, that's great if what you're trying to do is run faster uh, or pay attention to running. But uh, not when you're trying to compose a, you know, a complicated essay or something like that. Um, so you're putting your bi- uh, brain and body into a hyper aroused state. So you're getting that uh, that additional benefit in that way, as far as attention is concerned. But emotional control uh, and this, this adrenaline is is causing issues with some potentially other uh, brain functions. And something that we're that in particular to pay attention to is the way that caffeine in effect uh, affects sleep. Um, and that's a huge part of uh, being able to do, uh, to control your attention. It turns out, and and being able to increase your attention span. Uh, I read that uh, one of the biggest ways to be able to make sure that you are paying that your attention span is at, at a maximum is being is getting a significant a sufficient amount of sleep at night. Um, and as you and those those things are interrelated. If you have enough sleep, uh, you'll be able to pay attention. Uh, but as you pay attention, you'll need more sleep. So. 
um, caffeine can cause your body to get off uh, your normal sleep schedule and therefore throw a wrench in your ability to pay attention on a at a particular interval of time. So uh, caffeine has benefits and downsides. So just have to be very aware of your routine and be very careful. Uh, so that's caffeine. Um, as comments? Caffeine doesn't work like that for me. <laughs> well, uh, there are other ways to increase your attention span. So, um, yeah. and this is, uh, you're listening once again. I'd imagine the, the most people listening to our podcast are doing it in, in a kind of multitasking environment. I'm sure there are some people that are sitting with rapt attention. <laughs> Uh, but I'd imagine most of you are either driving or, you know, doing some other task while listening to a podcast. In that case, um, are you effectively listening to the podcast? Uh, are you multitasking, meaning going back and forth between the listening to this and doing the other tasks that you are trying to achieve? Um, and is this helping or hurting your attention span in general for either um, task that you're trying to accomplish? And so th there are different things to consider with this as well. So listening to uh, music or the dulcet tones of my voice might, and I guess in, my, in the, case, the case of my voice, probably less so, uh, give your body some type of a dopamine reaction. If you're listening to music, for example, that you like a lot, um, you'll get some, uh, that it's the kind of uh, pleasure hormone, the dopamine that, that's going to be um, potentially helping you actually uh, focus at least for longer um, and being able to increase your productivity. Um, however, if you're going back and forth, being attention to the words of a muse of a song versus doing, you know, writing the email that you're writing or whatever you might be uh, doing for work, um, all of a sudden now you're hurting your productivity, right? You're, uh, this idea of multitasking uh, is uh, problematic when you think about the way that, that your mind will kind of go back and forth between the different tasks that the different inputs, the different sensory inputs that you're, you're giving it. Um, and so in order to increase productivity, you can try something like uh, listening to music or radio or a podcast. You can try a fidget toy, something that will uh, kind of give you some background noise. But when the fidget toy all of a sudden breaks, when all of a sudden you're staring at the fidget toy, when all of a sudden you've listened uh, uh, to the podcast and you forgot that you have not been writing your email for the last few minutes, uh, you recognize that, that uh, your attention has been diverted instead of aided in the task that you're trying to accomplish. So multitasking can be problematic uh, in, in particular scenarios. Um, so once again, you do have to take into consideration though, you know, the ability that you have to do a particular task for a particular amount of time, the demand that that task gives. So that takes us to the idea of driving like Cameron was talking about. Um, so driving is one of those scenarios and a lot of tasks in the normal life are uh, demand, fluctu demand fluctuates. The amount of attention that you are required to give to a particular task fluctuates as the task progresses, right? Tim, when he's teaching, his uh, de the demand that he needs to uh, pay attention to his class is at a peak level when he's the one standing in front of the ta a class teaching, right? When 
Tim is now sitting down and the students are doing, you know, desk work, uh, Tim can fall asleep. Right, Tim? <laughs> I, I can actually say that I have fallen asleep in front of my class while talking to them. <laughs> really surreal, by the way. It's, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, <laughs> attention at, at its peak, for sure. Right. I'm and, sure and, the parent reviews for that day were great. Oh, <laughs> no doubt. They were just kind of looking at me because what you'll find is if you fall asleep while you're talking, is that your words start to kind of jumble and not make sense. And so, right, right. Now, let's <laughs> let's let's contrast, right? So that's... That or you're just not as good at teaching your foreign language as you think you are. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If that had been a Spanish class, I would have been fine. They'd be, oh, this guy's just improving some Spanish. Oh, I don't know that word. Hmm. <laughs> and this must be a cultural thing, a siesta. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um... Right. Okay. So that's an example of, of different demands and, and tasks. Um, uh, Matt, when he, when he, it's all kinds of, uh, Matt, when you're in college and taking a uh, different variety of physics and math classes, I'm guessing some of these problems demand all of your attention for a significant amount of time, right? Yeah. I mean, well, any difficult problem that you want to attack, you generally have to concentrate on. I don't know. Are are we going to talk about like concentration as a concept? Is that just a special kind of attention or? Right. And uh, that was the last thing I was going to touch on because candidly, I didn't find a significant amount of research or, or data on, and, and maybe that's just my layman inability to look up the right thing. But yeah, the idea that uh, can we measure concentration is if I'm concentrating on a calculus or a physics, a test, how does that compare to the concentration that I'm giving, um, you know, the email that I'm writing? Are they the same mental load? It would be the same for me. Hmm. So, and I would, I would add that it's probably task specific. Um, you know, you're, you're using different parts of your brain for music, suppose for language or, you know, for, I don't know, math and art yeah. um, so forth. So I'm sure it's somewhat task specific. Right. So something that I've commented on the podcast in the past year is the uh, I had some exposure in college to cognitive modeling. And that's where something like this is very relevant. So the idea of cognitive modeling is to be able to create a computer program that will model cognition, the whole the whole process of the brain. Right. And um, various cognitive models handle the whole problem differently. Um, but generally, there's this idea that there's a certain amount of finite resources, right? And that's obvious uh, in, in reality, in biological reality, there's a certain amount of resources that you have, cognitive resources, and that as you are engaged in particular tasks, uh, they, they take up more or less of these resources, right? So if I'm driving along, and I, like Cameron said, I'm just dry, cruising on the open road, probably very few of my resources are, are demanded uh, at that time. Um, so I can visit with the person sitting next to me, or I can text on my phone. Now, here's where the problem comes in, right? If I'm uh, texting on my phone and all of a sudden uh, that, so that's taking a significant amount of my resources, right? My, my cognitive resources. And if all of a sudden something happens that suddenly demands a significant amount of my resources in the 
uh, into this act of driving, my I cannot shift quickly enough to be able to effectively manage the situation. And so I've I've now created this catastrophe, uh, catastrophic situation uh, because I was using my resources to do something else. Um, and so the idea that there are particular finite amount of resources and you need to uh, appropriate them correctly is a very well demonstrated in the case of driving. It's significantly less uh, uh, catastrophic, but something obviously the the idea that you know you, if you're walking and talking and chewing gum, uh, you have a lot of some some of your resources are uh, d demanded with all of them. Um, so you know these happen at different levels of of uh, you know potential uh, outcome um, you know fallout, but the idea that uh, any task that you're doing are all demanding particular amounts of your attention. And so uh, if I'm driving along, I need to be able to regulate my attention in a particular way such that uh, that uh, attention can be given fully and completely to driving at, at a split second in uh, when when it matters. So um, and that's very different than the type of attention that we need to give to Tim when he's when he's teaching. Right. Um, Which, if you ask my students, is none at all. <laughs> Uh, it's not just your students, Tim. <laughs> I um, knew it. It's a conspiracy. Okay, let's talk a few other ways that you can improve uh, your attention. So multitasking, once again, I'd be very careful. Um, I'd recommend this podcast and probably only this podcast um, as far as multitasking. Absolutely. <laughs> um Okay, but there are ways that you can, so your attention span, and like I said, depending on the way that you measure it, it it's hard to, to quantify what exactly human attention span is. But generally, like I said, the, there's psychology uh, books show particular ranges for adults. And, and so the idea that we can increase that with a particular, with, with something like breaks. So taking breaks is, has been demonstrated in the research to uh, be able to increase your productivity over the of a course of you know a couple hours. The idea that you can take two hours and just sit down and do one task, uh, generally that's not the case. You are going to get distracted, and if you don't just schedule your breaks, take them and come back and get back on task, um, you're actually going to end up being less pr productive by just sitting there for two hours with your head in this problem versus 20 minutes, five minutes off, 20 minutes, five minutes off. Um, at least that's what the the data seem to suggest. So build in those breaks. Um, and make the breaks and, rewards. That's one thing I tell my students, you know, because yeah. they're actively trying to build this. You know, give, give yourself some extrinsic motivation, you know, in that when you get to that break, reward yourself with a piece of candy or, a, you know, or a preferred activity that you enjoy. And um, anyways, you know, if you think of it, I always encourage people trying to build their, um, you know, their ability in this area to think of it like, like, uh, like your coach and your training, um, your, your ability can be trained and strengthened and increased, but it just requires practice. And so people need to be patient with themselves, recognize that if you're feeling frustrated, that that's okay. That's just part of the learning. You just keep going with that process you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. 
and I guess that's the other, the, and this is, I think, what, what most laymen are most interested in, is it possible to to train yourself to be more productive, to be to have that attention span for longer? And the, the short answer is, is yes. Uh, to what degree? I wasn't entirely able to identify a particular number that, uh, but the idea that, yeah, I can train myself to, you know, okay, I'm for 20 minutes, I'm, you know, head down, I'm in this uh, for code for me, I'm in this, I'm, you know, this is all I'm doing. And, you know, in 20 minutes, I'm going to step away for a minute, come back and do it again. Um, so the idea that you can uh, train yourself to, to be able to do that effectively. Um, if you, what you are, however, trained yourself to do is, is to just, uh, watch TikTok videos, your brain will have been trained to say, okay, I want 10 seconds. All right, we're done. 10 seconds. <laughs> um, and you know, so, uh, can I add to that, Carl? yeah, go ahead. So, and, and I think part of what, what is happening is not, not only, um, is your ability to attend improving. But um, your ability with whatever material or task you're working on increases. Uh, I remember when I went back to college to get my master's degree and having to read these really long and, you know, high level stuff. It, it was hard and it was, you know, really difficult at first. And I, I noticed by the end of my my um, program that. I had gotten better at it. And I, I think part of it was probably, you know, I was training my attention, but also part of it is I, I didn't, my attention didn't need to work as hard to get through that task because I was better at it. I, I was better at reading that stuff, at writing. So, um, you, you know, you'll find if you, if you have a real hard time paying attention in math because it's hard and it's boring and you want it to think about other things. Yeah. You can train your brain to work at it, but and keep in mind, as you're training yourself in math, your brain is getting better at doing math and it's getting more of that down. And it's a it's a virtuous cycle. So anyways. Yeah, exactly. And and so I guess uh, one other thing that uh, so there's something called mindfulness that in the in the research that I read about as well. And and that's, you know, this uh, ability to to pay attention on, on command. And it says, uh, I'm going to read the conclusion to this study. It says, um, although much remains to be studied, the current studies expand our understanding of the initial effects of brief meditation and suggest that brief meditation impacts attention even in novice practitioners. The fact that was uh, revealed when controlling for other uh, effects. Uh, so the idea that, you know, training our mind in particular ways, and in this case, it says brief meditation periods are going to be able to give you that control and like coming back to the original definition of, of attention it's this uh ability to selectively concentrate on a on a particular piece of information we're getting loads of information all the time right go back to our memory podcast and the idea that uh, visually you're getting a vast amount of information and you are at most you know, selecting a small percentage of it to encode and be able to bring it into your brain. So um, that amount and, and the degree to which you pay attention to the, uh, the surroundings, the sense, sensory information that you are uh, receiving is something that you can work on, train and improve. Um, so I think that will be pretty much the end of the podcast. Matt or Cameron, any uh, final insights as far as uh attention is concerned it's comforting to know that you can build your ability there 
Yeah. Comforting and also it gives you a little bit of self, you know, loathing to know that you, uh, <laughs> I fail. I, you know, TikTok videos are wonderful. So. <laughs> it's frustrating to know that it's my fault. Dang it. Exactly. Why can't I blame <laughs> someone else? <laughs> yeah. Hey, can I, can I make one last comment? Just a challenge for our listeners. Yes. Okay. Um, and th- this is on the topic of attention. I've, I've noticed recently in my life that I am sometimes multitasking when I'm talking with my wife and you know, I'm just on my phone. We're kind of chatting and I'm kind of just scrolling through my notifications or articles or whatever I'm, I'm on. And I feel like that's had a it has a negative effect on our relationship. It's nothing dire. It's not like, you know, it just it throws cold water on our relationship. But I, I, I think that that's something when I step back and look at it, and I'm like, you know what? Um, I could be a better husband and I could be better in this relationship and I could make our relationship better if I were giving her my full attention. I I think not only for the quality of our conversation, you know, I'm responding right away instead of after three seconds, I'm like, Oh yeah. Um, and then I respond. Um, but, but also, um, I think, you know, humans were so responsive and social that cues, um, have meaning for us. And so when I have, when my wife is talking to me and I have my eyes on my phone and I'm just going, mm-hmm, you know, that's sending a message. And even if she, she, you know, is doing the same thing to me, you know, we're, we're sending each other that message. And I think it, it lowers the quality of our, our interaction. So my challenge for everyone, and, and this is something that I'm challenging myself to do as well, is to use your attention as a tool to improve the relationship with those you're closest to you know do you have a a spouse um children um parents siblings roommates friends um and you know i I think you use attention as a tool and and send them that cue that they are the most important thing for your attention when you're with them not your phone or or whatever or in the case of me and tim you can use it as a cudgel did you say something, Tim? <laughs> That's right. I know you, you were just busy playing Angry Birds, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, with that, thank you, Tim. Um, and uh, hopefully you've stuck around to the end of the podcast, because otherwise, I mean, why did, what did you click on this podcast? Uh, but <laughs> go back and uh, listen to our ADHD podcast, and uh, hopefully you can listen to the end of this podcast some other time. Um, all right. Well, we'll be back again. We're coming up on our hundredth episode of Learn It From a Layman, which is hard to believe. And uh, somehow Tim has stuck around for all of them, most of them. That's um, attention. Yes. <laughs> so we'll be we'll be doing a special hundredth episode here in the not too distant future. But uh, yeah, please share the podcast, uh, like us on Facebook, uh, and give us some reviews. Uh, let us know what you think, and we'll be back next podcast. Thanks. Bye.